sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. What is up, world? It is the early line. Up with you early and often. Keith Irizarry, Kevin Walsh in the house. And we are all fired up to kind of recap what we just saw this past weekend. A, a boatload of games we had Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Kev, I, I think we start with the Chiefs and, and Patrick Mahomes. They, they lock things up. But once again, there are going to be people out there discussing this and going, all right, they, they looked a little lackluster, and, and they, they've got their flaws uh, as, we, as we look at this team. Good morning, Kevin. How, how are you, man? Yeah, good morning, Keith. Uh, excited to get into it. The NFL Week 16, I feel like it delivered a lot of interesting scenarios. And uh, the one thing that is locked up, right, the Chiefs, uh, the AFC will be going through Arrowhead. And... It's such an odd year for them because now it looks like, you know, Mahomes not closing the season the way that he would have wanted. Can Travis Kelsey get Offensive Player of the Year? They might not be playing these guys Week 17, which is a good thing. But I feel like these two guys, and I feel like these, like not they obviously care about winning, but they care about their performances. They, they want to play at the highest level, and it feels like it's been a while since they've actually met that level but also how scary is it for the rest of the nfl that we might be talking about a team that's 14 and one and is only playing at a b minus to c plus level that's why they are the favorites uh you're right by the way i mean they are not playing their best football at times they almost look like they're sleepwalking through i mean the fact that patrick mahomes I thought it was pretty funny and almost clever at the post game when he was like, ah, we won, but I'm going to be on that segment. Mossed. Uh, that was the silliest play. <laughs> it wasn't necessary to do. Uh, you, yeah. you bring up Travis Kelsey. The fact that he has been absolutely dominant and we, we have seen him over the years be the best tight end in football. And Darren Waller, for all that he's been doing, has been fun to watch. And we could talk about the Raiders a little bit later. He's been great. But Travis Kelsey, for my money, is clearly the best tight end. And just doing things that we really haven't seen. And now breaking records. George Kittle's record is gone. Yeah, and, and Kelsey's he's not just the best tight end in, in football. But really, when you go through skill positions, how many guys would you take before him? I mean, any? Maybe a... A Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins, no running backs just because of the position. I mean, maybe Michael Thomas, but the tight end position is such a mismatch. And the way that the Chiefs use him, that's why, you know, sometimes teams can do whatever they can. All right, fine, we'll leave everybody behind. Hill, Hardman, you're not getting behind us. There still seems to be no answer out there to contain Travis Kelsey. And with the quarterback like Mahomes and, of course, the other weapons that are still around them and Hill, Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, Lev Bell, Travis Kelsey is one of the absolute biggest mismatches the entire league has seen in quite some time, it feels. It was interesting to watch Le'Veon Bell sort of be a part of the offense, but still not put up big numbers. I know a lot of fantasy owners were a little upset about that uh, going into their championship. Let's go to Sunday Night Football, Kevin. And it, this was exciting if you like the Packers. Not very exciting if you like Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee drew uh, to within single digits at one point, but Green Bay pretty much ran through them. Aaron Rodgers looked awesome. 
once again. Another four passing touchdowns. Devontae Adams is making a case for best wide receiver on the planet. 142 receiving yards, 11 catches, three touchdowns. And then the running game was kind of fun. A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones. This looked like maybe it's the reason why they drafted A.J. Dillon. Yeah, all of a sudden, A.J. Dillon commanding the backfield. I, I I don't know. Aaron Jones has had a very odd season where he's performed, but they're at the one. Rodgers is always throwing touchdowns at the one, and he's always throwing them to Devontae Adams. And this guy is having just an absolutely incredible, I mean, 11, 142, and three touchdowns on 12 targets. It's not like, oh, he got the ball thrown to him 20 times. 11 of 12 passes. He is just playing uh, at an unparalleled level, uh, it feels like, this year because he missed games as well as Devontae Adams, if you remember, uh, for this Green Bay team. And, I mean, Rodgers, 21 of 25, two, like four touchdowns. It's just, it's nonstop for this guy all year long. I mean, he's going to probably fall just short of the 50 touchdown mark, but we're talking just shy of that number. And then that's going to bring us into the conversation, isn't it? We can go on throughout throughout this program probably, but Rodgers, Mahomes, um, it was Russell Wilson early on in the season. There have been other players that have at least thrust their name into the, the conversation. But now when we look at Aaron Rodgers, he's minus money to win the MVP. I guess if we're handicapping this going into week 17, is it pretty clear that Rodgers has this award unless he lays an absolute leg? Yeah, I mean, Rodgers has moved to the favorite now at the FanDuel Sportsbook, minus 155. Uh, Mahomes is plus 145. This has been a two-horse race, it feels like, for a little while. And I think Rodgers is the deserving favorite. Uh, Both of these quarterbacks have the inside track. One of them already locking up the one seed. Rodgers next week will have that opportunity against the Chicago Bears. Rodgers is... 44 touchdown passes, six more than Patrick Mahomes, better passer rating, you know, better pro football focus grade. And the other thing as well, when you talk narrative here, the year that the Packers were meant to have wasn't as guaranteed as the Chiefs because everybody hated their offseason. In the most loaded wide receiver draft of all time, they take a future franchise quarterback. In the second round, they had a running back that we don't see play well until Week 16, a tight end whose name nobody knows and we've not seen once out there. I know Devontae Adams is incredible, but, I mean, MVS, Alan Lazard, it doesn't matter. This guy keeps producing. He doesn't have the weapons that Mahomes has. Listen, if you put money down on Rodgers back in May, you would have 23-1 to odds. Not getting those odds anymore. Continue rolling along, recapping all that we saw in the NFL right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Monday morning, it is for real. It is the early line. I'm Keith Irizarry. He is Kevin Walsh. My goodness, the Cleveland Browns, right? It's simple. Beat the Jets. The Jets aren't good at football. Okay, things got less simple on Saturday with the the COVID issues. And and Jarvis Landry tweets out, annoyed. He's not going to be allowed to play. Uh, Basically, they called me up, asked me if I'd play wide receiver for them. I wasn't available, unfortunately. Kevin wasn't either. He had some guys named Jamarcus Bradley and and things like that. Uh, 
Cleveland Browns played horribly against the Jets. And Baker Mayfield, he mm-hmm. took everything on his shoulder, said it was my fault. But I guess kudos to the Jets for having a winning streak. <laughs> yeah, I I guess it, I don't know, does it ease the pain of, of last week's win that seemingly cost them Trevor Lawrence? I mean, they're now locked into the, the two spots. So, I mean, hey, you know, make a moment of it. Go win out. Three wins, save Adam Gase's job. Anybody? I... The Jets are going to have a fascinating offseason. Justin Fields, uh, that performance against Clemson very well could decide what the Jets uh, do at two or maybe if they're obligated to take him at two. As far as the Browns go, Keith, the prop, the, I feel sad for this team. I, I genuinely do. I mean, we know that they have been kind of the butt of all jokes in this league for a long time with good reason. I mean, I'll never get over the fact that Hugh Jackson went one in fifteen, ran it back the next year, and had a worse season. I mean that. I mean, like a zero in six. Like he was literally worse than a one in fifteen. Like that blows my mind that that was even possible. And they had this great year, and it was like, hey, can we get a statement win? And then they rolled the Titans, and it was like, oh wow, that's a all right. This team is for real, no matter what. And then they played that awesome game against the Ravens, and as much as I feel like a lot of people are going to say Browns are going to Browns. They had no wide receivers. I I know it's the Jets, but the Jets have been playing hard. And they're home, and, you know, this team last week won for what was seemingly no reason. And why not go do it again? And I just I feel terrible for the Browns more than anything that those – and you don't get – there's no guarantee they win if Jarvis and these other guys are out there. But they have a much better chance, a game that they ended up losing by seven and had the ball to – Tie it or, or maybe even take the lead late. Yeah, you, you talk about feeling bad. And listen, uh, Baker Mayfield has has gotten a bunch of people to not like him with the way he handles uh, just himself at times. I, I actually kind of like his braggadocious uh, ways about him on the field and even off the field. I don't even mind the commercials or whatever. But when you're a Cleveland Browns team and it's Sunday morning and you have three brand new wide receivers that probably have never met Baker Mayfield. They go through a walkthrough uh-huh. outside of the hotel in the freezing cold weather. Basically, just a, a coach teaching them the offense. I didn't expect much. Now, I will say this: the Jets have been middle of the pack to to even you know a, a little bit better than that against the run. I still thought the Browns would have ran the ball more with Nick Chubb, ran the ball more with Kareem Hunt, and they didn't. Chubb ends up with just 28 yards on the ground, did score a touchdown. Yes, fantasy fans, you'll be happy with that. And Kareem Hunt, just 11 rushing yards. <laughs> I, I, I didn't understand why, why they would go away from that and not hand the ball off to those two dudes. Yeah, you know, Keith, it's interesting. It's kind of been a point of contention here on the show, uh, typically between Dane and myself, because he always talks about how much they love to run the ball. And I'm like, I know they like to run the ball. The closeout games, for whatever reason, they like to come out throwing. They do. And... I almost feel like they wanted to prove a point in the beginning of this game, like just because we don't have receivers, even more so they're like, we're throwing the football. Austin Hooper, I mean, he had 15 targets. It felt like he had 50 targets. Every time that game came across the screen, it felt like Austin Hooper had the ball flying his way. So it was like they wanted to throw to kind of show that they could, and then eventually they they just kind of got stuck, and they, they almost had no choice. The crazy thing about it all is – they had a lead, the Browns, too. Like, this wasn't a spot where, all oh, the Jets caught them, but they had a lead. And then the Jets ultimately did take that 7-3, but then the fumble. 
and the Jets capitalize. And, and that's the one thing that the Jets have been able to do over these past two weeks is, is they've been able to capitalize here. And eventually the Browns then are off script. And now it goes from, oh, we like to throw to set up this run on the play-action game to we just got to keep dropping them back. And we got to keep dropping them back without a full complement of weapons here. I would have thought Kareem Hunt would have had a better game out of the backfield. And, you know, also... Sometimes teams get off script way too quickly, Keith, don't they? It's like you can still run the ball. There's there's an eternity left in the game. I'm also with you on the fact that the whole proving you can do something is just stupid. Like, just go out and win a football game, get into the postseason for the first time in, you know, 175 years, and, and, and give your yeah. fans a little something to root for. Speaking of fans, we go to Pittsburgh now, and the fans of the Steelers, if you've been on social media, the world has ended uh, before yesterday. They had lost three games yeah. in a row after starting 11-0. Ben Roethlisberger should retire. Uh, Juju can't play football. <laughs> Deontay Johnson can't catch a cold. The defense is injured and can't stop anyone. And you know what? For the first two quarters of that game, really the first three quarters of that game yesterday against Indianapolis, yeah. the fans were right. The Steelers stunk. And then suddenly it was like, boom, light switch. How did that happen? I don't really know. I don't know. I, like He throws that deep pass to Deontay Johnson. He makes this... Great diving catch. And we always like sometimes you talk about you just want to see one go in the basket, right? You know, if you play basketball, so you just clank, clank. And you're like, oh, wait, wait a second. Now, what if we got something here, right? And like, it, it, sometimes it's the same thing in betting. I'm like, I can't get anything to go right. And all of a sudden, that Laker game goes over against the Mavericks. And I'm like, wait a second now. What if, what if we're turning the tide? And it, it's like, those are the type of things where no matter who you are in almost any walk of life, it's you need something. And that's why it wasn't just a, a James Conner rushing touchdown. Yeah, we're here on the one, all right, we punched it in. It was like Big Ben, a deep shot in my arm. Maybe I'm I'm feeling a little bit of juice here. And then the next drive, a touchdown. And now you feel like you got this Colts team on the ropes that came in a little banged up, right? Because they were missing Costanzo on the end. And Phillip Rivers isn't a... You know, he's not the best quarterback, if we're being honest, mobility-wise. And they kind of thought that they had that game probably locked up. They probably went to throttle down up by a score of 24-7. to And next thing you know, he's just throwing it all over the park, Big Ben. And that's the biggest thing, I think, for the Steelers is they didn't win this game because, oh, they figured out the run game. No, the ground game remained horrendous. 14 carries for 20 yards. A touchdown, sure. Their passing game, which is what their bread and butter is, Finally got right. And to a man, I think that if you went inside that Steelers locker room, they all believed that this offense could still do it. But listen, like if you look at this team, save for the running game because the running game's terrible, but the offense hmm. has real weapons, right? Like Juju, whether you believe he's a number one or not, or like a 1B, he's still a real bona fide NFL wide receiver. Deontay Johnson. If if he can get past the yips and, and the drops, uh, he'll be fine. Yeah. And even Chase Claypool, we we know that he showed moments this year. Eric Ebron, he showed moments this year. And Ben Roethlisberger, for the first you know seven eight games of the year, looked like older Big Ben. You know when 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 he used to be slinging the ball around. To a man, I think that they believe they could turn this around. And I think that yesterday mm -hmm. was a step forward. And and I think that if you look at them too. Maybe you sit back and you go, all right, the New Orleans Saints once won a Super Bowl where they started the year off 11-0, lost three games in a row, and then kind of fixed things a little bit. Did you look at yesterday 
Kevin and say they fix some things or were those just some band-aids? I think it's going to be answered next week against the Browns. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to still be competing for seeding, so they're going to need to go out there and play well. And almost even if they weren't, this team does not need a week off. Like, you need to build off of this momentum here because, you know, and, I, and I've t- I spoke with some Steelers fans. It's like, you know, if you told me that we would have went 11 and 5 and won the AFC North, I'd take that every single time of the, uh, you know, every single time you offer it to me. Except that scenario was they go 11 and 5. They lose their final five games of the season, and that's what all of a sudden has become the favored outcome, uh, at least for them to lose this game to the Colts here. In Pittsburgh, they had flipped the dogs. I think by close, they got back to favorites. They have so much momentum now. They play the Browns. The Browns' season is on the line. The Steelers need this win to hold on for seeding. What an incredible game. What a comeback, though, for the Steelers. Now the Colts might be on the outside. Exactly. Indy now in some trouble. The NFC East, by the way. What's going on there? More next year early on, Keith and Kevin. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. So you know what's fun? The NFC East. Or is it? I I don't know. Like, Kevin, I go back and forth with this this division Mm -hmm. because... It's chock full of bad football teams, uh, chock full of disappointing players. Yet, as we'll walk into Week 17, and, and obviously, I need we need to walk it back and talk about each game mm-hmm. uh, from this past Sunday. But as we walk into Week 17, everything is up in the air. Three teams are still alive to to win the title. Let's start with the Ravens and the Giants, Kevin, because the New York Giants were decided underdogs in this one against Baltimore. Baltimore needs wins, probably needed two wins to get into the postseason. Now looking a little bit better, a little bit stronger with themselves. Uh, The New York Giants yesterday looked like a bad football team, and even their defense did not look as good as it had looked during that five-game win streak. Yeah, this is the thing for the Giants, is they beat my beloved Eagles, and I proclaimed in a fit of rage that they would not win another game the rest of the season. And then Joe Burrow was out against the Bengals. I'm like, okay, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. Like, they can win that game. But then Colt McCoy won in Seattle. And I'm like, all right, well, I got no caveats there, people. I don't know what to tell you. But now they've obviously not won since then. And they look as bad as I thought they might. I know people were excited. The defense. This is the thing. We've been doing this all year, Keith, with the NFC East. Every single week, a new team looks like the new shiny toy, and they're the new favorite. And the Giants have had multiple moments where it's looked like it is them. But even with one team eliminated, and that's not being the Giants, the Giants feel you know, the, the least exciting team of them all. The offense, despite having weapons and Daniel Jones, who's supposed to be ascending, that just does not feel to be the case. I know they were playing a really good Baltimore team. A Baltimore team that... I am excited about, and I'm glad they can control their own destiny and get into the playoffs there because I think they might be the best option to possibly beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I love what I'm seeing back from this ground game. Another game, they get well above 200 yards rushing on the ground. Lamar throws for multiple touchdown passes. But as far as the Giants go, it's 
Look, they have an opportunity to, you know, give themselves life going into that Sunday night game where everyone's going to be kind of pulling for the Eagles to save one of these teams. But boy, have the Giants underwhelmed uh, over this last couple of weeks. And I think that's the story of that that division, right? It's like underwhelm is the perfect word choice because anytime one of the teams starts looking the part a little bit, they then fall back to the pack. And, and that brings us to, to Washington, right? What a week it was. Dwayne Haskins, uh, strippers, and, and losing a captaincy. And, and let's be honest, and I, I, we actually talked about this on CBS on, on Sunday. If this would have been week seven, and Alex Smith was healthy, Dwayne Haskins may just be cut from the team. But because mm-hmm. Washington needed a win, and and really, I mean, Taylor Heineke, none of us expected him to do anything or even be in a game. You kind of needed Dwayne Haskins. Can I throw this out that there's a part of me that feels a little bit bad for Dwayne Haskins? A little bit, because we've all been young and dumb at some point in our lives. But then let's turn it to the other side and go, you are a professional, and you no longer have the ability to be young and dumb when you're the face uh, potential face of a franchise. I think the tough thing for Haskins is I'm somebody that was actually high on him coming out of Ohio State, and I just felt like in the beginning of the year he did not get a fair shake. I thought that when they decided to bench him, Ron Rivera was going out of his way to pull him out of the line. They, he benched him after maybe the second-best game of his career against Baltimore. But then we heard all this outside noise. He has outside issues. And the thing is, Keith, look, you 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 know the business. They send reports that they want to certain outlets who they know will run with them, and then it'll justify their decision. But as Dwayne's time has played out while he's been on the bench and then even back to the starter role, it does seem like those off-field issues uh, might be present. And at the end of the day, you said it right. People are young. They're dumb. He was out at a strip club at the age of, what, 22? Like, it. yeah, I, I guess it's – but we're in COVID times. You have to, time and place, my friend. It's the fact that Taylor Heineke might have had to start this game. It's the fact that you had an opportunity to win the division for your team. And not only that, but even if you want to go the selfish approach of, oh, it's about me and not Washington, which I honestly wouldn't even blame him for – you have the chance to keep your spot somewhere in this league. Go out there, play great football. Ron was never bringing him back, and he could have had a perfect 158.3 passer rating, and Ron was sending him out the door. But somebody would have gave Haskins a chance. But now, on top of not playing good football, you don't seem to have it buttoned up on the sideline, and then you get benched against the Panthers' defense that's looked pretty poor for most of the season, and Hard to argue with the benching, 50% completion percentage and two picks to no touchdowns. Heineke comes in and had a touchdown dropped and a touchdown caught. It's a tough way for Haskins to go out. It's hard to defend him at this point, though. Yeah, this was prime smash spot for Dwayne Haskins. This was prime, like, all right, listen, I made my mistakes, and I'm going to lead this team. We're going to be fine. Even on the sidelines, I feel like dude does some of the right things, right? Like even he, he ran over to Tyler, Taylor Heineke after one of the passes was dropped, and he's trying, trying to do all the right things, but there's just something, yeah. something a little bit immature about him. Rolling along with the NFC East, Keith, there is Ari Kevin Walsh with you on the early line. Cowboys and the Eagles – for the first 10 minutes of this game, fly, Eagles, fly. Jalen Hurts is a future superstar. Deshaun Jackson, 50-yard catches. This is what he does. And then the Eagles forgot how to play football for the final three quarters of that game. If that was not the embodiment of an Eagle season, I don't know what is. 
It was heartbreaking in every way imaginable. Uh, I was on in-game live, and at one point, I uh, I had just put together a money line parlay of the Panthers and the Eagles just to see. And at the time, it was minus two seventy-eight that the Eagles would be able to control their own destiny on Sunday Night Football, and instead, their new role is spoiler and hoping that. Uh, the Cowboys fans and the Giants fans praying that whomever wins that game, the Eagles can help them out on Sunday night football. I, I know that for a lot of people, this is about Dallas and their comeback, and we'll talk about it. It's relevant. But the Eagles were up 14-3 with the football. They had an opportunity, I don't want to say to put it away, but if that's 21-3, that's a Dallas team I feel like that's known to quit, known to look at one another sideways, and Zeke's like, oh, gosh, I don't have it, and Amari's like, I ain't getting the ball, and CeeDee Lamb's like, this is a clown show, and Dalton's like, I don't trust anybody, and McCarthy's like, am I actually going to get fired here? And the Eagles couldn't do it, no matter what it was. I think, and you said it, it captured the whole season, right? Like, all of a sudden, the secondary that feels like, I've, I feel like I've never seen a good secondary. I don't know. I think if the Eagles sent out Tredavious White and Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas in his prime, they'd all find a way to just be terrible if they put on that midnight green. I don't know. Like, Darius Slay finally gets an interception and just doesn't even matter. It's like all of a sudden Hurts looks like a rookie's rookie's rookie. You know, he's scrambling when he shouldn't. He's overthrowing guys. He doesn't look comfortable in the pocket. Dougie P, defend him all the time. Why does Miles Sanders have 15 carries to end this game? Like, how is that a thing? They're so bad against the run. You ran all over them on the first drive. Where did it go? What happened? Where was the deep shot? Deshaun Jackson finished the game with one target. Did he get hurt? And I, we didn't get the update because people. I'm just supposed to assume Deshaun gets hurt after good plays. How did that play not get called again? Why do we not dial up 10's number once more? It's just... What a wildly frustrating finish to an Eagles season that has been wildly frustrating. Wildly frustrating is is exactly what it's... And you're so right, too, because I want to defend Doug Peterson also. Just like you, I I want to defend him. You know, help lead the team to a Super Bowl, has pushed a lot of the right buttons, but there are just so many times where you scratch your head and you're like, dude, just figure it out and do this right. How, how does Miles Sanders not have more touches? And let's go back to Jalen Hurts, too, because the city of Philadelphia and, and really many of the NFL was ready to anoint this guy. And I, I think that part of this is because a lot of people just grew tired of Carson Wentz, whether it's Carson Wentz on the field or even some of his postgame comments when Wentz is like, well, you know, this is how I do it. This is how I play and I'm not going to change. And, and, and it rubs some people the wrong way. Well, yesterday was the first time that we really got a chance to see Jalen Hurts struggle and see Jalen Hurts, how he would bounce back. And uh, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, no, he's he's a terrible football player or anything. Again, he's four games into playing in the NFL, really Mm -hmm. three starts. But we did get a chance to see some of the flaws that Jalen Hurts may have. If you're an Eagles fan, I know you are, and I, I love the Eagles as well. Is there some pause now on Hertz? Are we a little worried about Hertz? I, I think the thing is, compare it to the bad games for Wentz. And I love Carson Wentz. Genuinely one of my favorite athletes. I was convinced that this guy was going to be the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles 
for the longest time. The anemic version of this Eagles offense, Jalen Hurts still registers 400 yards of offense on his own. I mean, you just, it's night and day. When the, I mean, the Eagles couldn't pick up first downs with Carson Wentz at the helm. Whatever's happened, I know Alshon's come back, and all of a sudden, here's Deshaun Jacks. I get it. But, like, it's still Quez Watkins getting balls. You know, Jalen Rieger is still, you know, leading the team with seven targets. Dallas Goddard left the game banged up. It's a similar situation. Is Jalen Hurts the 100% superstar? Like, I'm going to bet him to win Offensive Player of the Year next year that he looked like after the first two? Okay, no. Well, we were excited. That's okay. But does it still look like this is going to be his job for the foreseeable future? Yes, and certainly, as you mentioned, a part of that, though, is the comments from Wentz that he's made that untimely uh, moments. Definitely has. All right, so now it sets up week 17. You got the Cowboys at the Giants. You have Washington at Philadelphia, and a lot is up in the air. When we get back, Seahawks-Rams, always fun. Did not end the way one of the teams wanted. Break that down and so much more. Early line, Keith and Kevin. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The early line rolling along. Keith Irizarry, Kevin Walsh with you. Thank you so much for sending your Monday morning with us. And and this is going to be fun because when you talk about someone's favorite player in the NFL, like Kevin Walsh is so in love with the game of Jared Goff. And (laughs) (laughs) if you follow the network, I hope you know what we're talking about. Jared has had some conversations about Goff and him and Gabe have gotten into it a little bit about uh, sports rates, whether or not uh, Goff, where he should fit in the pantheon of NFL QBs. Let me weigh in really fast. Jared Goff is a middle of the pack quarterback in the NFL. Can you win games with him? Yes. Can he have big moments? Yes. Will most of his times be average? Yes. And yesterday, Kevin, He was most of the time average to below average. His team falls. And walking into yesterday and walking into two weeks ago, the Rams had a 99.9% chance of making the playoffs going into week 15. They're now in a win or go home moment in week 17. It is so crazy that I even entertained these Jared Goff debates for as long as I did. But I guess it's it's good that I did because in our business, Keith, it's great when you have the chance to victory lap. And I'll tell you, my legs are getting tired here. I mean, this guy, since the debate, did nothing on Thursday night football in a win over the Patriots and then has followed it up with a loss to the Jets. And then a big old nothing burger against the Seattle defense. Jared Goff might actually, like, now people are going to really have to believe that the Seahawks defense is incredible. I still don't buy that, by the way. Just, what are we going to say? Oh, well, he didn't have Cam Akers. Daryl Henderson left hurt. Yeah, sounds like a guy that's relying on the run game to get the job done. There's a reason why McVay has transformed this team into a run-first team. So, 
I just, I'm over, and I would not be surprised, I tell you, Keith, if they do miss the playoffs or if they're an ugly first-round exit, I would not be surprised to hear some chatter around L.A. and their quarterback situation. Sean McVay looked very frustrated with that performance from Jared Goff, notably on the ground, not willing to run for first downs as much, sliding a play, or, you know, a yard shy. I'm sure Sean McVay would like a more mobile quarterback. Jared Goff, one of the, I mean, of all the young quarterbacks that enter the league, I mean, he has to be the least mobile at the position. He, and He's not. He doesn't have a great arm strength. He can make throws. Everybody, we were talking about this off air. Keith, everybody can make throws. Tyler Heineken made a heck of a throw to JD McKissick. Everybody can make throws. The unfortunate thing for the Rams is next week they might not even have Jared Goff to make or miss some throws. Yeah, so it looks like he might have a broken thumb on his throwing hand. I know today we'll get more of the uh, the X-ray MRI results on that. And if it's no Jared Goff, and by the way, we're not even talking about the Seahawks, who actually won and won the division and fifth division right. title underneath Pete Carroll. And we, we could talk about what they mean uh, going forward into the playoffs. And they kind of look like they figured things out defensively. And I, they're not world beaters in defense, but Jamal Adams wasn't great. Once Dunlap got there, uh, that defense did change a little bit. But the injury... To Jared Goff, you know, typically, especially in what you and I do, right? Like we study this stuff. Mm-hmm. How often do you find it that you don't have any clue who the, the backup quarterback is? Not that often. You usually at least know. I had to look up John Wolford, and no offense to John Wolford. Anytime you're saying no offense, you're probably offending someone. Mm-hmm. But John Wolford was a, a Wake Forest quarterback, and he led the AAF in passing touchdowns, has never thrown an NFL uh, pass were never completed in an NFL pass, and he very well might be under center in a must-win game. Which is a total disaster for the LA Rams. And now there's there is a world where they can lose and still be in, I believe, because the Bears, I think, would need to get the job done against the Green Bay Packers. So it's not a foregone conclusion. But that's going to be a mountain to climb. And this is the reality, Keith. Even if Goff does play, that's going to be a mountain to climb. Because 100% Jared Goff is no guarantee to beat the Arizona Cardinals. I know that they beat the Cardinals just a couple of weeks ago. It's hard to beat a team in division twice, though. It's just the reality of the situation. That's why the Rams already holding a win over Seattle, losing this game. I mean, that would have been some feat for them to beat Russell Wilson twice so i just think this is a spot here for the rams where they are really really up against it i'll just say quickly because you mentioned it as well with the seattle seahawks and this team they clinched the division and uh, they moved to 11 and 4 and they're actually still live for a bye give them all the credit in the world the reason that i'm lower on seattle this little run here where they fixed the defense the quarterbacks that they faced carson wentz colt mccoy sam darnold dwayne haskins Jared Goff, the gap between Jared Goff and the rest of the quarterback, like, Jared Goff is comfortably the best quarterback that they've played over the last, over a month. And next week, they're going to be playing C.J. Beathard. So the reality is, when we show up to the postseason, and it's, even if it's a Brady or it's a Kyler Murray in the first round, that's a way different level of quarterback than what this defense that was the worst in football Right, and also they turn the corner. And the schedule, for me at least, Keith, is what really turned the corner. 
the names you said were the veritable list of get right games. That's that's what yeah. you had in those QBs. It, it was. Yeah. You're playing against either backups or guys that are marginal starters. And again, we, we continue. I'm a big proponent. I, I'm like, I, I don't know about you necessarily, but I'm never the guy that call like, I'm not going to say this guy is trash because he's still an elite performer because he's at the highest level. But when you Fair. compare CJ Beathard to, uh, I, I don't know, Aaron Rodgers, there's a big difference. And that's, and, and it's as, as simple yeah. as that. Let's go to, let's go to Chicago, by the way, because the Bears, and we've alluded to them a few times over the last, you know, 45, mm-hmm. 46 minutes. The Bears now actually hold their own destiny. And Mitchell Trubisky, for all the flaws that this dude has, now has Chicago believing that they can get into the postseason. And Trubisky and David Montgomery over the last five games together have not just been formidable. David Montgomery, from a fantasy standpoint, has been one of the two or three best running backs in the NFL, not named Derrick Henry. And Mitchell Trubisky now is looking like an NFL QB. What's happened with the Bears is one of the most ridiculous turnings of the corner. I mean, David Montgomery was not just – David Montgomery was playing – so he was viewed as the worst starting running back in football. It's like, oh, this guy doesn't know how to run forward. Trubisky, Trubisky got benched at half while his team was 2-0. and That's how bad Mitch Trubisky was playing against the Atlanta Falcons in that Week 3 game. And as somebody that had Nick Foles win a Super Bowl MVP for his team, it pains me to say it, but boy, was that a mistake to bench Mitch Trubisky, seemingly. It, it was. like It's hard to view it any other way. I mean, that first game back against the Packers, they scored 25, but it was garbage time points, right? Okay. Then they scored 30 in a loss to the Lions. It's the Lions' defense. But they've now won three in a row, scoring 36, 33, and 41. And they're not playing world beaters. Texans defense, terrible. Vikings defense, terrible. Jaguars defense. By the way, I love those fans. They're cheering in an uproar as Trubisky runs in a touchdown, as Montgomery runs in a touchdown. I love that from Jaguar fans. So, so again, for a Bears team, if they went up against a formidable defense with Trubisky under the helm, how is that going to look? I don't know. But this team now all of a sudden controls their own destiny. And that's how good they were in the beginning of the year, that they were 5-1, and one, at least record-wise. It also shows how disastrous that five-game run was, where they lost five consecutive football games and squandered what was a golden opportunity. The Bears should have their playoffs clinched a while ago. But at least they still have some life here. The danger zone, Keith, is they might be bringing Mitch back, and I'm not sure that's going to be the best move. That's that's exactly it too, because you 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 see this in, in all sports that whole right on the cusp of playoff team, and are you going to continue being that? You know, like in the NBA, you continue being that seven, eight, nine team in your in your conference, and, and what does that do for your future? Because I think you're right. I think Trubisky could end up being back which means Nagy is going to be back, which means Pace is going to be back. Like, all of the names of yeah. people that during that five-game losing streak, every Chicago fan and every NFL pundit on television and radio was saying, mm-hmm. well, that's it. We'll clean house. Chicago is going to restart. They're going to retool. They're going to, you know, either do it in the draft or, or go get someone else, and, and, and let's, let's fix this. Well, if they win this week against the Packers, let's say, which I don't think they do, but if they win against the Packers and now are nine and seven, they're in the postseason. 
I, I don't, the cupboard's not bare at that point. Like I, you can't just restart it all. You made the playoffs and Trubisky was a guy you used a lot of draft capital to get up to the two spot and then draft him. Maybe you don't give up on him and you don't give up on Nagy and you don't give up on the rest of that organization. I'm, I'm okay with them not giving up. I think extending Mitch on like a four-year deal is a disaster. We are yeah. so impatient, right, with everything in, in the NFL, the sports world as a whole, right? But like one team wins the Super Bowl. Seven was six. Seven teams from your conference are going to make the playoffs. Only one team is going to win your division. It's tough to do. You know what? If the Bears trot Mitch out there and they keep Nagy and Pace and it's a disaster – you know what, maybe you end up in a spot where your opponent like the Jacksonville Jaguars are, and you have the opportunity to select first. And I don't know who the quarterbacks for the 2022 draft are. I don't know if Keenan Slovis is a name that comes to mind. I like whomever it might be. It doesn't the quarterback classes, Spencer Rattler, they emerge over time. You'll you'll figure it out. But really, if they move on from Mitch, what's the immediate answer? Trading for Carson Wentz? Trading for Sam Darnold? signing Jameis Winston? I don't know if there's an immediate answer. They just really need to be careful handing out any type of big money deals to any of the trio that are kind of at the front of what the Bears are doing. Yeah, I always invoke, my, my friend Amy Tresk says this all the time, and what, or then what? If it's not Trubisky, mm -hmm. then what? And what? If it's not Nagy, then what? And what? And I don't know what the answer is. The Niners and the Cardinals. Arizona had no answers for C.J. Beathard. And in, in to me, what was one of the more preposterous losses of the weekend, Arizona had the opportunity to kind of grasp everything for themselves. Kyler Murray played well, but not great. Dan Arnold, oh my goodness, dropping passes. Yeah, I'm sure he's a really nice guy, but but a couple of those drop passes ugh, really, really, really crushes your soul. And now Arizona's got to fight to get into the postseason. Yeah, the, the Cardinals have had a season that they're going to look back on if they miss the playoffs uh, with a lot of frustration. When you think about the heights of this team, where they were in first place with a decent chunk of the season chewed into uh, in that NFC West, and now they're here hanging on for dear life. And it was that run they lost at home against the Dolphins in a game where I still can't believe Cliff Kingsbury, instead of going for a fourth and one with Kyler, thought, let's kick a 50-plus yarder with Zane Gonzalez to tie the game. thought that was outrageous. And then they beat the Bills on the Hail Murray and then lose to Seattle and lose to New England and you lose to the Rams. And everyone's like, all right, well, Kyler's not right. But then you get right against the Giants. And then the Philly game was all over the place. But you find a way to win. And DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, the fact that this guy's going to break Larry Fitz's Cardinals records in year one... Then the loss to the Niners is demoralizing for this team. They're still alive. Last Thursday, a certain guy on this network said that a certain guy would have a monster Christmas. We'll talk about that coming up next on The Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Winding down hour number one on the early line, Keith and Kevin with you this morning. And you know what's fun about this network is that the best of the best, uh, and I, I think that we all do this, we admit when we're wrong, but I think it's also nice. And you you laughed a little bit about uh, you know taking a victory lap earlier in, in the show. All right, so Kevin, we can go back to last Thursday. You were on the air talking about Alvin Kamara going to have a monster week against Minnesota. And there's not much more of a monster week that you could have. Kamara on Christmas Day goes off for six touchdowns. Yeah, I almost feel like he was so good. I don't even know if I was right anymore, right? Like, uh, when he had three touchdowns, I'm like, all right, sweet, nailed it. It's six. It's like, you know what? I mean, what a ridiculous performance from Alvin Kamara. And it was so efficient. He opened the game up with the 40-yard rushing touchdown and Every step of the way, it was just Kamara, Kamara, Kamara. The one thing from this game that I, I'm i personally not big on the whole Taysom Hill experience, and I think Sean Payton's affinity for him is preposterous. Him having Taysom Hill rush in what would have been Kamara's sixth and then needing to run it up on Minnesota to then go get the sixth touchdown is just peak Sean Payton in every way imaginable. And it's why I kind of can't stand this Saints team. But yeah, what a performance for Kamara. Yeah, I thought I thought the guy was gonna have a big week. Six touchdowns. I didn't even I didn't say three touchdowns. Yeah, multiple touchdowns. Sure. Six what a ridiculous performance from one of, if not the best running backs in football. So dynamic, Alvin Kamara. When Taysom Hill took over at quarterback, the first two games ends up with, what, one catch on, like, three or four targets. Ridiculous. Those two games kind of took away what he means to that team. And then uh, on, on Friday, it was just glorious to watch. If you had Kamara in your fantasy leagues, I'm sure you're happy. Uh, if you just love football, it was good to watch. But I'm with you about the the, the whole Sean Payton thing. Like, Taysom Hill is really talented and fun to watch play football. The affinity for him sometimes goes a little bit too far. I know he dreams of Taysom Hill someday being the guy at quarterback. I don't know if that's going to be the way. As we move into hour number two, we got to talk about some of the other games from Saturday. Keep it locked right here. It's the early line.